Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi there, I'm Gittas Williams, Swansea City fan, and also a member of the JackCast. If you want to find us, you can go on Twitter at the JackCast. Yeah, hello, I'm Jake, a Newcastle fan. You can get my stuff on EPL Index at Total Dutch Football, and you can get my Twitter at Jake Jackman with two N's. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Up first, of course, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. We'll start off with you, Gitto. There's big manager news, potential ownership news, and you play better when you don't have your star players on the pitch. Yeah, it's been an incredible week at Swansea City. Um... It all started on Sunday with uh, on Saturday, sorry, with the unbelievable performance against West Ham. Um, for somebody who has been watching uh, the Swans play this entire season, that was so unexpected. It was unreal. We've been terrible basically from August, and against West Ham, everything that used to be good about Swansea came back. Um, we had an intensity about us, kept our shape very well, but more importantly, we were so positive on the ball. We just always wanted to get forward. Um, used the wingers brilliantly, Routledge and especially Barrow. They were both fantastic. Um, the centre midfield worked tirelessly to stifle West Ham. Um, we were all terrified of Andy Carroll because he has an incredible scoring record against us. But he really didn't have much of a say after Swansea scored. Um and, that, and we conceded 13 corners but didn't concede a goal from any of them, which is miraculous. And then you had Andre Ayew playing up front, which isn't really his best position playing up front alone as a lone striker. Uh, and he was just superb, uh, held the ball, held on to possession fantastically, um, added more mobility than we've had from a striker all season, um, looked always eager to get into the box, got a very well-deserved goal. Uh, the entire team was absolutely superb, and we won four-one, uh, which is incredible. The last time we won, uh, we scored four goals was I think two seasons ago um, against Aston Villa, uh, when John Joe Shelby scored from about fifty yards. Um, and well, we've we've just this it's it's just absolutely incredible that result. It, and it it was a real boost to see us play that kind of way under Guidolin because there have been, been concerns since he joined about his style of play, that he's very negative, that his team selection, his substitutions are very negative. Um, the football hasn't been very good to watch. but And we've complained that he hasn't actually been playing to the player's strengths. I mean, if, if, if we were playing that way just to grind up results, then that would be one thing. But he hasn't actually been playing to our um, star player's strengths but we did that on um, on Saturday. Always, also worth pointing out, actually, that we were missing a lot of our key players. Uh, Ashley Williams, Neil Taylor, Jefferson Montero, Gilfie Seosan, and Andrea Poloski. They were all uh, out of uh, that match. Um, and somehow we produced uh, one of our best performances of the season uh, up there alongside the opening day draw against Champions Chelsea. Um, so that put everybody in a good mood. And it really... Uh, changed everybody's thinking about Guidolin, if I'm honest. I, I, every, people who, like me, um, thought that he definitely should not get the job, all of a sudden started thinking, well, actually, if that is what we can expect, then, yeah, I, I'd, be, I'd be open to the idea, you know. And um, uh, then the news came this week that, uh, that, that he had been given the job, um, which was another surprise because it was just common knowledge that, Brendan Rodgers was going to walk in at the end of the season. He'd been informally offered the job. He had been um, 
uh, he, he's very, very well liked by, by our board still. Uh, and we were just expecting him to come in no matter what Guidelin did. But there we go, Guidelin must have done something to persuade the board that he was the right man because they offered him the job and he's taken it on a two-year deal. Um, it has split opinion slightly. There are a lot of people who say that um, Guidelin has done everything that's been asked of him since he took over. He's kept us up but pretty comfortably in the end. Um, his win ratio is something like 50%, which is pretty incredible for a team of Swansea's side. Um, and, of course, in the last few games, we've actually started playing some good football. Um, but there is also that other side, which is that um, in many games, in many of our better performances, many of our better performances before the last two games came when he was actually ill in hospital and under uh, the supervision of Alan Curtis, um, also the style of football as I said has been dreadful under him um, he hasn't been playing to play at strengths substitutions have been a real issue um, and there was a feeling that you know if he, if he does keep on with that overly cautious approach uh, the Swans will be back in a similar position next year and we may not be so lucky um, the big <laughs> the, the, the big point everybody's making now is that we need to build on what was great against West Ham. Uh, and I'd like to see that start against Man City over the weekend, um, where I definitely think we've got a chance of um, uh, of beating them because they're not very good at the moment, even though they've been let off the hook by uh, Man United's uh, defeat in midweek at Upton Park. Yeah, another interesting thing that we'll jump into uh, as the topic, but there's no is there was a point a year and a half ago maybe where it looked like all the former Swansea managers were doing really well. You had Martinez at Everton, then you had Rodgers at Liverpool. Obviously, you're not getting either of them as you've uh, re-upped there with Guidelin, but is there any sense of maybe disappointment from a long-term aspect that maybe this coaching tree that it seemed you had created and was flourishing maybe now not be as great as it seemed? Yeah, there is a bit of disappointment in it. I mean, Martinez was public enemy number one when he left here because... Um, you may have noticed he does like to um, speak very positively about absolutely everything. And what? He... No. What? <laughs> when, when did this start? <laughs> <laughs> so when he was at Swansea, when we were in League One, uh, and I, I have to say the football we played in League One was on another planet. It was the best football we've seen um, from any team in League One in, in its history. It really was. Um, it was so far ahead of its time. Um and he kept on saying, you know, no, this is, you know, the club that I love. If uh, the only way I'd leave here is if I was sacked again, um, that they, he would never leave, etc. And then the first club that comes calling, Wigan Athletic of all clubs. I mean, no offense to Wigan, but <laughs> but I, a little bit. <laughs> I've been to Wigan. I mean, seriously, um, they, they came calling, and he went down. Everybody was very, very hurt. It was like um, basically uh, a long-term girlfriend, just dumping you and going for some fat guy um it really hurt massively it really did um and there are still people who bear a grudge but um generally people have gone over and you know wish Martin as well um and and then rogers of course it, it it's very similar what's happened to both of them at the new clubs actually um you know they started off very very well um, they had that golden season where Liverpool were chasing the title, Everton chasing Champions League football, but their flaws um, have come. They've never ever addressed those flaws in their side, um, and they've come back to to bite them. Um, and you know, people have been asking, "Would you take Martinez back after he's been sacked?" And the answer for most people at the moment is no, because as much as we loved his football. Um, you look at what he has done with Everton, particularly the defence, and you think, well, actually, you know, he, long term, he, um, he he's 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 just not not got it right at that club. Um, which, but but it is sad. It really is. All right, and Jake, very disappointing uh, news for Newcastle. Sunderland's win uh, yesterday means that Newcastle are indeed going down. Maybe didn't hit you like a ton of bricks, as while everyone else on this podcast remained optimistic for you, you were kind of saying you always felt like you were a step behind. How did you take in all of that? Yeah, it's, it, it's still disappointing. It's never nice to be relegated from uh, from the Premier League. Um, but yeah, I have been there for quite a, 
quite a few weeks now that I thought, uh, you know, we didn't have enough games and, you know, we're a bit too far behind and we made the change a bit too late and that that's turned out to be true, sadly. Um, but yeah, Sunderland getting out of it wasn't really that much of a surprise. I think I said around Christmas time uh, when I came on uh, at some point that I thought they'd get out of it and they, they have done. It's just what they do and they're just going to continue to be in the Premier League doing this sort of thing. I I, I hope for Sunderland fans, as much as there are rivals, I hope that this doesn't continue because it's sort of a... It's bad for the league, I think, to have a team, team like this just doing the same thing year in, year out. But, you know, they, they've, they've played really well in the last six months and they, they probably deserved it, I think. Um, but, yeah, look, look at over our season as a whole. We've, we've deserved to go down. We can't blame anybody but ourselves. We've take, we took just six points from a possible 18 against the rest of the bottom four, getting just one win, which was against Norwich in the, the sort of freak 6-2 win uh, in September. So... You know, if you go back that, if you look at those sort of games, you should be winning, taking more points out of those. If we'd taken another four or five points out of that, we'd, you know, be in a much better position and going into the final day with a ahead of Sunderland. So, you know, we've only got ourselves to blame. I think it's been 18 months in the making, really, this relegation. We didn't replace Pardew properly. We created a losing mentality under Carver. And then when we had the chance to really, you know, survey the options over the last half of last uh, season, look at the options available on the market for managers. We went for McLaren. I think at the time I thought it wasn't the worst appointment, but that's pos- uh, probably just because I really didn't want Carver to keep the job. And I, you know, I think looking back, it was a terrible uh, appointment. It became apparent by October that he wasn't really the right man. And then the wins against Liverpool and Spurs were probably probably a bad thing for us in the long term because they bought in some extra time because he was actually. Um, you know, his head was on the ch- um, his head was up uh, going. Then I think um, there was talks about replacements. There was talks about sacking him, but then those two wins brought him a lot more time. And I think, you know, maybe if we lost those two games and had a bigger gap to make up, that would have been better in the long run. But yeah, it's just it's just really disappointing. It's now I think we've Mike Ashley's owned the club for for nine years. There's two relegations. Uh, the same errors continue to be made uh, again and again. It doesn't look like it's improving. The appointment of Benitez was sort of a, it was a good step, but it was a good step too late. It was too little too late. And now we've we've dropped the league and we're going to have to take at least one season out of the Premier League, which is going to hurt our finances. It's going to sort of hurt our squad. It's going to hurt the fan base, the sort of connection with the club. It's, it, it is just the worst thing that could have happened, but it's it's completely down to mismanagement at the board level. Um, the statement that the club put out last night was a joke, I think. It was all full of PR speak. They didn't really, it, nothing really resonated with the fans. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Benitez at the press conference alone. There's talk that uh, maybe Charlie's going to be there to sort of speak about the future, but I can't see him facing the sort of media. I think they, they're all a bit spineless in the boardroom. And if there's not changes made this summer, uh, especially Charlie, I don't think he, he, he deserves to stay on. He's, he's been CEO for, or whatever his uh, job title is now, he's been it for, I think, like, Twenty uh, two years, and in that we've had the worst eighteen months of of our club's history. So he really needs to go. Um, moving on to Benitez, a bit a bit of a lighter note. I think um, his future's still up in the air. But there's a few articles today saying that there's a the first round of talks have taken place and they'd gone well. Uh, the club's hopeful of retaining his services, which I think would be a massive positive. I think if we keep him, the enthusiasm about the club will sort of re- remain. We'd be able to keep a few more few more uh, decent players. And I think we'd be a, we'd have a bigger pool in terms of recruitment as well, which will be massive. If he does go, I think we've got a huge job on our hands. I think if we make a similar appointment to Pardew or McLaren, I think we could possibly stay in the championship for a few years, possibly even fall either, uh, even lower down the uh, the ladder, which would be uh, terrible. But I wouldn't put it past the likes of uh, Charnley and Ashley to, to be responsible for that. Um, it was disappointing to see three players came out on social media last night about relegation. Uh, those being Jamal Lasales, Rob Elliott and Paul Dummett, three of those that, you know, you can't put any blame at their door for what's happened. Likes of Sissoko and Wijnaldum, they've just been quiet and I think they gave up months ago. They know they're going to get moves away and, you know, I, personally, I don't even want them to play on Sunday. I just want them to leave the club. I, I wouldn't, if so, if you're from, um, if you said to me now, they'll both stay in the championship, I don't even want that. I, I just want them to leave. There's too many players at this club that just don't care and as fans, we just want them to leave. Um, there's a lot of I've seen a lot of uh, fans on Twitter uh, saying, "Oh, we could go in for the likes of Wijnaldum, uh, Yarmouth. They'll be on cheap." Yeah, d- yeah, take them. Like we don't want them. They, they've got a massive reputation, but their attitudes have been awful. And I think 
a mass, a, another massive reason for why we're going down is a poor attitude in the squad. Some of the performances have been a joke. doesn't matter if, if the, the manager's doing the wrong thing, you still have to give your all and they just haven't done that. So, you know, all, all we want going forward is a team that we want to put t- uh, together a decent team in the championship, try and get promotion straight away and then rebuild from there. If Rafa's there, then I, I'm hopeful for the future. I mean, Gitto would say as much as anyone and, and um, watching the playoffs today, there's Portsmouth fans as well, you know, Football goes around in cycles. You have your time at the top. You have disappointments. And we're currently going for a bad sort of te- 10 years under Ashley, but things will get better. We will be back. And, you know, I can't see Newcastle dying as a club. It's sort of just a just a bad period. But, yeah, we'll, we'll recover. Hmm. Is the blow lessened any by the fact that Aston Villa, uh, who are also considered a, a big club throughout m- most of their history, are going down as well? Uh, not really. I think we have to look at our own achievements uh, as a club in, in solitary. We don't want to compare to other clubs. Um, they've had a, they're in a much worse position than we are, and you know, I don't really see them as a threat next year in the championship. To be honest, I think we're, we're going to be in a much better position to take on that league. But I mean, I mean, it's, I don't really like Aston Villa as a club. It's nice they're going down, but at the same time, I can't, I can't really say how bad they are because we've been. Not as bad, but we've been pretty bad. So, yeah, it doesn't make it that much better. All right, and uh, you mentioned a few people who are at blame, but if there was one person that you're putting the blame on for this season, it is? Mike Ashley. Like, you can't put it on anyone else. He's, he's responsible for everything. So that he, he gave the interview last year saying that he's, he's the person responsible. So, yeah, we'll blame him. He, the sooner he goes, the better. I think I just wanted to sell the club and move on. Fair enough. Um, on to Tottenham. It's finally happened, guys. Mauricio Pochettino actually signed his new extension uh, through 2021 yesterday, or two days ago, as you're listening to this. Uh, everyone on the internet lost their minds because Mauricio Pochettino met with uh, Sir Alex Ferguson. Everybody was like, oh, snap, the Mourinho deal hasn't gone through. Now it's going to be Pochettino to Manchester United. Some of the more <laughs> weak-hearted amongst the Spurs fans jumping on that bandwagon as well. The, the Oh Dear Me brigade uh, of Tottenham fans. Despite the, everything that Mauricio Pochettino has ever said about Sir Alex Ferguson is how he wants to emulate him and thinks he can do it at Tottenham. And then they see him with him, who he's mentioned is one of his idols, in a very public setting in London... It's not like this was some... It wasn't the covert meeting that some papers were saying it was. Um, And then obviously he ends up staying. uh, I I thought this was a tremendous non-story that has been resolved uh, as a great story for Tottenham, which is Mauricio Pochettino committing himself to the club for a longer time. I've already seen some people try to defend their overreactions yesterday by saying now the buyout clause is larger in Mauricio Pochettino's uh, contract. Quick. How many contracts has Daniel Levy included a buyout clause in? I'll give you a hint. It's zero. It is a policy that he does not use. So those people can also calm down. The future is very bright for us, however. Um, It looks like Nabil Bentaleb will be fit uh, for the last match of the season, causing many people to think he will get the start, uh, just so we can kind of put him in the shop window. I do think he's out. I think uh, Nasser Chadley falling short of the Belgium squad will make him reanalyze his position at the club. Uh, Hyungman Son has been injured for a lot of the year. He's been a forward for part of the year. He's been a right winger for part of the year. I think Chadley will feel very hard done by that he never made that left wing spot his own. But every time he had an opportunity to do so, he never really lived up to it. He was terrific for us last season. In his first year, he was much better than people thought he was because he was constantly tracking back and helping out back before Rose uh, knew how to actually be a defender. Um, But I could also see him going. I think those are the two main ones. There are rumors going around that we're trying to offload uh, Carroll and Mason. But if we're already getting rid of Bentaleb, which I do think we're doing... That would leave us on, as far as I'm aware, six English players, two below the minimum, unless we're going to promote the likes of Onama uh, and Pritchard and actually include them in in our 23-man squad. So that'll be interesting to see how we juggle all those pieces this summer. We've been trying to get rid of Tommy Carroll for about three years now. Gitto, you're hot and cold on him. You want him now? Or are you on the no side of this now because he can barely get into your side? 
Meh, we'll, we'll, we'll take him. I mean, yeah. he's... He's he's a, he's a he's a he's a good little player, but I don't think any team would mind having him. I just don't think yeah. anybody wants to pay for him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a couple of million. Yeah, you know, if they, but he's never going to make it in Spurs. There's no doubt about that. No. And I think he's. I think he'd be good going to a club like a Burnley or something like mm. that. You know. Oh, you know, it would be fun. Uh, go to Newcastle. A yeah. player that actually <laughs> tries hard, can pass deep from the midfield. Unlike John Joe, isn't a massive. Uh, expletive <laughs> and get, get, get you back up yeah they're the type of players we need to be going for to be honest yeah do it man you heard it here first Tommy Carroll to Newcastle um I alluded to it there with Chadley uh the Belgium squad has been announced is it Belgium squad because you're using it as the country or Belgian squad because it's a squad of people from Belgium I'm not sure. We're not going to get into the grammar of it here. Um, but uh, Moussa Dembele, Jan Vertonghen, and Toby Alderweireld all make the side. The interesting thing is that without Vincent Kompany, I feel pretty confident in saying that Toby and Jan are the two best center backs in that Belgian squad. The problem is they're also the best wing backs in that squad. So I'm really not sure how that's going to work out for them. Hopefully they get to play their actual position. I think it would be hard not to. I think you could play Vermaelen at, at right back if you had to. I don't know what you're doing at left back. It really is a mess. That's you, you know, ten years from now, Belgium is going to have only wing backs. It's going to be like what happened with Brazil, where they had so many good attackers for so long that this current generation they're better defenders than attackers because they were told that's where they'd be able to get into the side. I just feel like that's going to be a generational thing. Um, but Belgium's sorely lacking there. But 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 I am pleased to see those three guys going. And some people saying that Chadley's hard done by, and he's just not. Like, Divock Origi is hurt, but he's done very well this season. He can deputize it forward or on the wing, which saves you a spot for not midfielders. I don't know if you guys saw the team that they announced. Only four quote-unquote midfielders they're taking, but they're counting, you know, uh, De Bruyne and Hazard as forwards, which I think is generous. So it's not as bad as it looks on paper, but it is still very strange team selection. Um... But yeah, so that that was interesting. There was a leaked England squad. It feels like people are losing uh, their faith in it. As soon as it first went out, everybody was like, yeah, we're on board. Now people are being a little bit more hesitant on that. Um, but it would have seen uh, Walker and Rose miss out. <laughs> I think, funnily enough, Walker may be the more deserving of the two just because Rose didn't do particularly well in his last call-up. Uh, gave away a penalty and easily could have given a, away a second in that he did give away a second. They just didn't call it as a penalty um, in, in the Netherlands match. But, you know, not not feeling too hard done by there. Kane, Ali, and Dyer uh, are, do, do look more favorable whether or not this particular leak was true. I think it is very likely that they stay in. Uh, part of White Hart Lane is already being torn down. Um, just one of the corners to, to really allow us to build over the summer. So there will be uh, a decrease in seating at White Hart Lane next season. They're already replacing the current season ticket holders um, to other spots within the stadium, but it will be down next season, which does make the Wembley for Champions League thing look more likely, uh, which uh, disappoints many Spurs fans that wanted to have like a Champions League send-off um, at White Hart Lane. So... That doesn't look as likely now, but if it means that the stadium is guaranteed ready for the beginning of the 18-19 season, then I, 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 I can see why that would be the large-scale decision that they'd make. And as many Spurs fans have, had pointed out this week, you know Daniel Levy has fallen under a lot of criticism throughout his career at Tottenham. But if you look at what's happened to some pretty big clubs like Villa and Newcastle, it really draws into stark relief that our, that our complaints about Levy are very small. Uh, in comparison, um, the last Levy slash Pochettino thing is in the announcement of Pochettino's extension. He is no longer being referred to as head coach and is now actually being referred to as manager. Some people think that's a super big deal. Some people think it isn't. Uh, I'll leave that out there for uh, you guys to to decide. Um, but clearly, he has a, a a big impact on things off the pitch as, as much as he does on the pitch. And very happy to have him through 2021. Today, Roberto Martinez sacked by Everton. I don't think it was particularly a big surprise. Uh, but do you think Everton were right to do it before the end of the season? And does he deserve or will he land another Premier League job next season? Uh, I, th- I think Everton was just waiting for the, um, but well, by the looks of things, for the Dutch season to finish and for De Boer to 
become available at IX. Um, that looks to be moving quite quickly, actually. Um, it's it's definitely the right decision to get rid of Martinez. It's it's just gone on far too long. Um, during his time in charge, Everton have played some of the best attacking football in the Premier League, and um, but but gradually that defence has just got worse and worse and worse. It, it, when he inherited it from Moyes, it, it was quite a well organised outfit, and it's just got the point now where it. it you don't actually understand what goes on there. There's no organisation. There's no, there's no thinking in anything they do. They're so open. They're so stretched. Uh, they they try to play it when they really shouldn't. They're full of mistakes. It's just a catastrophe that defence. But I think what's really done it for him is that over the second half of the season, going forward, they've not actually been very good. Um, for most of the games I've seen. Everton play they've just been knocking it long to Lukaku most of the time and Lukaku hasn't actually looked really motivated he's looked like he wants to be somewhere else um the whole time you know and um it's it's just got it just got to a stage where everybody at Everton seemed to accept that it had gone on for far too long they'd given up and they were just waiting for Martinez to go that that's just what it looked like yeah I'd agree with that I think I've always felt that Martinez is, is a bit too nice to be sort of a, a top-level manager. He, he lost that dressing room a long time ago. The, you can just see, like, the, the likes of Lukaku and, and De La Feu, I, I can imagine they're quite difficult uh, players to manage, and I, I, I don't think he's done well in that. He's just Some of his comments after matches are just bordering on sort of deluded. I think... I think he he started really well, and I think that a lot of that was because of the foundations that Moyes Moyes um, left for him, especially at the back. And that if you look year on year, they've conceded more and more goals. Um, their reliance on Lukaku this season was quite big. I thought when they brought in Umaniasa that that might be a, a bit of competition, but that, that yeah. seemed to have gone nowhere. That that seemed to be a, a, a signing that he didn't really want, um, and and things like that are only going to make your your position like look less strong to players when players are coming in just not playing they'll think oh you you have little control over what's going on and I I, I just think it, it was the right decision to make I think um I think they um they could do better I think the De Boer links are very promising for um for Everton fans because I, I I've watched a lot of Ajax obviously where um where I cover Dutch football and he's very good at organizing the back obviously where he's a defender he's a uh, he's done very well with Ajax this season, although they missed out on the league. He he, he overachieved, I think. Uh, PSV have a, a much better team and they play much better football, but he sort of managed Ajax to to overachieve, which is which will be promising for Everton fan Everton fans. And I think he needed a move. He he's been in the Eredivisie too long, and he needs to test himself. So I think that's a really promising link. And if that does turn out to be true, I think that that's the right decision by Everton to, to move Martinez on and bring somebody in who, who can go up to the top tier because I don't think Martinez ever can. As for getting another Premier League job, he, he probably will. I think if Pardew can get another Premier League job, if, if the likes of Warner could get more than one Premier League job and, you know, Martinez won't have a problem. He'll have to drop down, maybe take on a team that is is in the relegation fight next season when one comes available or even he might even look at a project or maybe like Villa and might think that's quite exciting, go down to the championship and try and build his own team with, with young players. But, you know, he, he'll be back. He's young and he, he will have learned a lot from this, but he needs to become a bit more, you know, authoritative in the, in the dressing room. Say a, say a bit um, fewer, you know, deluded things after matches and sort of just needs to change his approach a bit. He's a good manager going forward. He just needs to change his approach. And maybe defensive coaching isn't what he's good at. And I think maybe he should uh, give other, get staff members in to do that. But he, I mean, it's a disappointment for him. But, you know, he's only 42. He's got a long career ahead of him, and I'm sure he'll recover. Yeah, you mentioned De Boer there. And, and as, again, as you mentioned, you do cover the Dutch League. Do you think it would be fair to say that he'll be much more worried about setting up Everton's defense and then just lets the already talented attacking players do what they do best? Because it kind of felt that way. It acts like He wasn't really doing much with the attack. It was just there were several flair players and he just kind of let them play. Yeah, yeah, I think that's definitely what you'd do. I, I think that's what anyone would do with this Everton team, to be honest. They, you need to get that, that solidity at the back. And if you get that, then if you have players like Lukaku, Barkley, um, De La Feu, they're going to they're gonna create moments of magic. Um and I think he's there sort of to give him a bit of guidance, maybe on decision-making a little bit. But 
De- definitely, he'd, he'd, he'd get that defence sorted over pre-season. And I think if he does come in, I think Everton will be challenging at least in the top eight, possibly even higher next season. Yeah, I, I think there would be an adjustment period outside of his own team. And, and I think part of the criticism of Roberto Martinez is that he was too worried about Everton and not enough worried about how they matched up against other teams. And uh, I'm sure you saw Gitto, there was a, a quote from Gary Monk uh, back from when he was a player when you were in League One, um, saying that when they were playing under Roberto Martinez, A, that he never uh, trained set pieces, which was very strange, and B, that his goal was to play his brand of football kind of regardless of opponents, and that over a season you'd get more positive results than negative ones. Gitto, would you say that, that that's a fair assessment of, of the area you saw there and maybe that's what caused his downfall there at Everton? Yeah, um, he's a big admirer of the Barcelona way of doing things and it's a, a criticism as well that you can level at Pep Guardiola. Uh, if I'm honest, that if, if there is one criticism that you can level at Guardiola, it is that he sets his team up to be so much better than everybody else that he doesn't actually have to worry about them. But then suddenly he does come up against a team which is tactically very aware and um, you know sets up in a, in a, a structure um, which is designed to to um, uh, to, to really hamper um, uh, the, the you know Guardiola side and he, and he gets stumped uh, really that's what we've seen at Bayern and that and that's similar to what Martinez has, has found both at um, um, at Everton and at Wigan before that I mean at, at Swansea in League One we were so much better than every other team in the league and and really when we got the uh, to the championship as well. I mean, we were probably among the more... Uh, well, well, we were probably the best footballing team in the championship. But, you know, we, we were when it came to game management, we couldn't wrap up wins and we, we, we got a lot of draws when we should have won. Uh, and that meant we missed out on the, on, on the, on the playoffs. Um, and I, I think it is a criticism that you have to level at them. Um, in terms of game management... How many times has a season of Everton been ahead and then it ended up with a point or a defeat? Uh, it's it's just ridiculous. You know, the Everton fans have found themselves in situations this season when they've been two or three goals up and they still haven't been able to relax because they've got this panic that that Everton are going to let the other team in. And I think that is a that is a big flaw in um, in Martinez's approach. Um, I, I actually wouldn't be surprised if I, if Martinez went abroad. Um, uh, and, and did not. I I don't know if Premier League teams are going to be that excited about him now that he's um, got Wigan relegated and and achieved quite badly with Everton this season and and sent their team backwards so far. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he went back to Spain, um, picked up a sort of medium to smaller club in La Liga. Um, or, or even another foreign league. Who knows? I mean, he's he is an extremely intelligent manager. There's no doubt about it. And he's he's still a very very. He's he's got some amazing ideas about football. He really does. But like like you've all said, it you know it it is just this sticking point that there are flaws in his game plan which he just has not addressed, and which it seems like he's never felt the need to address. It's as if he's always felt, oh well, the attacking football is so good that you know it, it'll either make up for the defensive uh, problems, or you know it'll dr- it, it'll Im- it'll improve the uh, the, the defense, um, much the same way as you know Barcelona or you know Barcelona and the Pep Guardiola or Bayern Munich and the Pep Guardiola can afford to play midfielders in defense because let's face it, the, the players in front of them are doing so well that it, it makes their job easier. That's that's the theory, but it doesn't always work yeah I, I think you know it's 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 been going downhill for a while uh, all credit to scott uh formerly of the swansea way who called this oh a good two years ago um in the middle of everton's amazing season i think they finished fifth that year um where they still had the solid Moisean defense with the martinez attack he was saying that the longer martinez was there the worse the defense would slowly become, that they would become more Wigan-esque. And uh, at the time, there was some mockery, because you know, how could you level that kind of accusation at a guy currently sitting fifth? Um, and obviously, that ended up being a tremendous call. 
Um, so all, all credit to him for calling that ages upon ages ago. Uh, I agree with what you're saying about um, the English people with whether or not they'd want to hire Martinez right now. I think the thing you mentioned earlier is actually a bigger problem, which is the positive spin on everything. Because in 50-50 situations, if you take a positive spin, you're an optimistic guy. But he's putting positive spins on outright negative things, which just kind of makes him look foolish in the media. <laughs> like, how many bad performances have they had this year where he said, you know, he was either proud of the team or things didn't go their way or they played the football they wanted to, the result, the result just didn't reflect that. Like, there are so many... They're so overly positive in negative situations that they just become wrong. They're incorrect uh, in their foundation. And I think that that shows a lack of acceptance of what's going on around him that in a power position like a manager at a football club is very detrimental because you need to know what your flaws are and know what your weaknesses are and then address them instead of just hiding them in a closet and hoping that they don't rear their head which is kind of what happened here is you know we all knew (laughs) what he did at Wigan kept them up probably two or three seasons longer than they should have been but the, the back end was always a weakness. He moved to Everton, hit it for a year or so, and then it started to creep its head out again. If he was willing to just sit down and reevaluate, he's an incredibly intelligent guy, by the way. Nobody's saying that he's dumb. Just he needs to be a little more self-aware of his own shortcomings if, if he really wants to take that next step uh, and become the manager that he thought he was going to be uh, at Everton. When you see the quotes that his first words when he was talking to them in those negotiations were, I can take Everton to the Champions League. <laughs> this 11 could be around there in a couple of years' time, so now it's crucial that they bring in somebody that can do that. I like the DeBurr shout. I really, really liked um, the idea previously of, oh, snap, of course, now now I'm forgetting his name. I'll try to, uh, Pochettino, where he, the, his style of coaching. Uh, Bielsa. Yeah, Marcelo Bielsa. I thought that would have been a, a, a tremendous... Uh, shout and I really wanted him to go to Swansea Ghetto uh, when when you guys were looking for a manager I thought that would have been fun um, but I, I I agree I think going abroad might make sense if Unai Emery moves on maybe maybe Sevilla is an interesting shout Valencia obviously looking for a manager I'm not sure he'd work out as well there um, but yeah I I think it might benefit him to go abroad for a couple of years and then maybe come back but I don't doubt as Jake said. That if he doesn't take a job, and it's November, and somebody's starting to get itchy on the trigger finger, Karanka and Middlesbrough already have plenty of problems before you add on the pressure of trying to stay in the Premier League. Something like that happens, I'm sure somebody would take a nibble. Alright, and now we will move on to Player Watch, where this week we're going to be talking about, as we head into Match Week 38, a player who may be playing their last match for your club this Sunday. We'll start with Gitto and Swansea. Uh, the obvious one is Buffett Timmy Gomez. I, I I really struggle to see a way that he's going to be at the club next season. He didn't uh, score he, 15 goals, by the way. I could have been wrong on that. You still got time. You still got one more match. <laughs> I, I I I think it's doubtful. But this is you know this is a guy that scored five goals in the Champions League match once against Dinamo Zagreb in a match which is probably fixed, admittedly. But you know he did do it. Um, but yeah, he's he's just not done it. Uh, it was nice to see him get a goal against West Ham, although he couldn't miss it. Um, but since the start of the season, when he started so well, uh, he's just gone downhill. He's had a, a ridiculous amount of offsides, and that shows um, laziness and a, a lack a lack of effort on his part. Um, he's he's got the ability. It's just that he's he's not ever he's he's he goes through long long periods where he doesn't look focused and um, he hasn't really been um, Francesco Guidolin's cup of tea. He's he's been less tolerant of Gomez's shortcomings than than Gary Monk was and uh, less willing to give him a chance. And I think uh, with Poloski um, being bought for big money in January and Andre Ayew suddenly playing really really well up as a lone striker. Um, plus the prospect of another striker, possibly Wilfred Boney, who knows, uh, coming back in the summer. Um, I, 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 his days must be numbered. He's on very big money. I'd imagine the club would be wanting to cash in on him when the summer comes. Uh, another possible one, 
um, is Ki Sung Young, um, who had a great game against West Ham United, but generally this season hasn't clicked. Um, and central midfield is an area where we've got a number of decent options, um, and it may be that he too um, leaves because again he's on quite a bit of money at the club. And if we are wanting to uh, strengthen the squad, yeah, he, he may be one of the ones that um, that leaves in the summer. But um, that that that's yet to be decided. All right, Jake. Obviously, there could be plenty of departures. You mentioned in the open some that you wouldn't mind seeing go. Uh, anybody else worth name dropping? Yeah, I, I I don't know what sort of team uh, Raffle put out where where there's nothing to play for already down. It, I'd quite like him to put out sort of a, a team of youngsters, sort of the players that are likely to stay, get them out on the pitch, get them playing together. Because I think the atmosphere is going to be really good on a Sunday, despite the relegation. There'll be a lot of chanting for Raffle, probably nonstop for ninety minutes. I think it'll be good to sort of get the likes of Aaron's and Lasseos, um Darlow, um, even even players like Jamie Sterry or may, maybe even Adam Armstrong. I'm not sure if he can play now. The uh, football league season's over. If he can, then I, I'd even give him a run out and just just get those players out there. I don't really want to see the like Sissoko and Wijnaldum, yeah, Matt playing. Uh, we know they're leaving. Just 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 leave them out and just just leave it there. I think other players that could go. I mean, anyone could go. I mean, I'd like to see uh, Perez or uh, Mitrovic, uh, Townsend stay, but. You know, there's going to be clubs interested in them. So, you know, any anyone could go. Um, Colaccini could 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 play. He's been injured for for a long time now. Uh, he's back in training, so he could play, and that could be his last game. Overall, he's done all right for us, but he's played a major part in both relegations. And you know, he's he's always and he's going to leave on bad terms. I think with the fans. Uh, we think he should have moved on a couple of years ago, and he's, his performance has deteriorated. So, if he plays, I, I hope, if he does play, I hope he does sort of get a good send off. He's, he's been here for a long time, and he has given some good performances, and even got in the PFA Team of the Year one year, which is incredible when you think of how bad he was at the start and how bad he is now. He got into the Team of the Year, so he did have some good moments in the Newcastle shirts. So hopefully, he gets a, a good send off and. Yeah, it could be anyone. <laughs> Who knows what our score's going to look like next year. Hopefully we do keep a lot a lot of the younger players and they can sort of develop with us, but there'll be clubs interested, so we'll just have to wait and see what happens this summer. Yeah, uh, for Tottenham, I already <laughs> mentioned a few. Probably should have kept the lid on that a little bit longer. Um, like I said, I think Bentaleb and Chadley are interesting outs. Also, we do technically still own Fazio. So that's another one you can chalk up uh, in the out column. Kind of a random one that's popped up is some people are claiming that Pochettino doesn't believe in Clinton NG, which is weird because he's very much a developmental project. We weren't expecting him to be ready now. Then he was hurt and then wasn't ready now. So none of that's particularly surprising. Um, I think Sun is definitely staying it doesn't really feel like there's going to be a whole lot of movement. Maybe Michelle Vorm, except next year being in the Champions League, I think it will be more important than ever to have two um, quality-ish goalkeepers. I've said for a long time, I think people look at Vorm and think he's a lot worse than he is because we keep comparing him to Lloris. Actually, Gitto, I'd be interested to get your take on that. I know he had like an iffy last year, so you guys weren't like devastated when he left, especially when Fabianski stepped in and did so well the following year. What, what, are, what are your thoughts on Vorm? I think he's a great second choice keeper for you, but um, yeah, at Swansea he had an amazing first season, and then just slowly, you know, lost his way a little bit. Um, I, I mean, he's, he's capable of being a very good shot stopper, um, good with the ball at his feet. Um, but I, I, by now, I don't. I, I think he's a very good second choice keeper, but. As a first-choice keeper, I think he'd struggle to hold down a, a starting spot in, in most Premier League teams. Mm. A great hair, though. you gotta you got to give him that. <laughs> um, all right, uh, now we will head into match previews. Uh, we'll start off with you, Gitto, and your match as you host Manchester City. Yeah, our match is one of the very few we're going into the final day of the season which has anything riding on it. Um, because, of course, Manchester City somehow still sit in fourth going into the final day of the season, um, despite being pretty terrible for the last few, um, well, season, really, let's face it. They've, they've been major disappointed. I, I tipped Man City to finish fourth uh, at the start of the season because I didn't think they'd um, ball players which addressed their weaknesses, which I think was a major fault with pretty much all the big teams 
and Newcastle um, last summer, um, and I th- and they they really they, it 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 hasn't surprised me at all what what City have done this season. The one surprise is that they have got to the same final of the Champions League. Um, I I, th- I and Joe, you know, I I don't think they deserve a Champions League spot. I don't think Man City, Man United deserve a Champions League spot either. It's been that kind of season in the Premier League where the big clubs just haven't turned up. They haven't they haven't performed. Um, and I, I'd, I'd give ourselves a decent chance of beating Man City if we play the way that we did against uh, West Ham. Uh, we played with the freedom in that match. Um, and um, Man City are a team who are so open in their approach that they'll always give you chances. And we took four chances against West Ham. We looked clinical in a season when at times we, we, we haven't looked like scoring for love nor money. Um so I, I I don't think we're a good team for Man City to face at the end of the season. A match is between us, even though uh, I think we've only beaten Man City once um, in the Premier League. Matches between us are always always seem to be very very competitive and very very tight. I mean, earlier on in the season they relied on a deflected uh, Yaya Toure shot to to beat us when we had been pretty terrible for the weeks leading up to that. Um, I think we should have beaten Man City more often over the last few weeks. And I would not be the least bit surprised if we beat Man City on on Sunday, and the Man United then beat Bournemouth to take that last fourth spot, and Pellegrini gets the worst possible send off, and we send Pep Guardiola sprinting for his contract to read through the fine print, looking for the bit where it says he doesn't need to join Man City if they're in the Europa League. Um, but wouldn't that be incredible if Pep Guardiola joined Man City and they were? in the Europa League. I mean, it would just be insane and something which was completely unthinkable when he, uh, when, when, when he actually uh, agreed to join them. Yeah, it would be uh, pretty astounding and interesting to see how seriously they'd take a league like the Europa League. Uh, Jake, heading into this one against us, I'll let you go first and then offer my rebuttal. Yeah, it's, it's sort of a game that we've uh, both looked forward to and thought that maybe we'd be fine to stay up. You'd be uh, fighting for the title. It'll be a massive game. Turns out we're both disappointed and it means absolutely nothing. So, uh, I mean, well, we I'm... still want to finish above Arsenal, so we need a draw. Oh, well, I don't really care about any result. I don't care if we finish at <laughs> 19 for 18 for whatever. I I'm not really that bothered. I think for, for us this weekend is, is about, you know, filling the stadium, chanting for Rafa, convincing him that we want him to stay, you know, um, I was reading earlier from Gwil and Balagay, obviously not, not the best source in the world, but we'll, we'll go on. Uh, he was saying that if that does happen, if there's non-stop chanting for Rafa, then he, he thinks Rafa could be persuaded to stay. So I think that's what we should do. Um, that is the only, that's the rare light at the end of the tunnel. If he does stay, I think we'll be, we're, we're in a, a lot better position than if we'd have stayed up and lost him, I think. So, you know, it might be a step back, but if we keep Rafa, I feel we'd have taken two steps forward on our road to recovery as a club. So hopefully that goes down. As for the game itself, I'm, I'm not really that bothered. I, I hope we put out the right team. and I, I, hope, I hope it's a good game. If it's not anything else, I hope there's a lot of goals. Uh, it's just a classic end of the season game where you could possibly get like a four or five goals each and it's just one of those mad games. I'd love to see that, um, especially as it could be the last game at uh, Premier League game at St. James' Park for quite some time, depending on how we do next season. So hopefully that goes out with, with a bang and it's, it's a good game and you know, we can leave happy and just sort of say, oh, that was a nice game and now we can move on to the Euros. I'm not really that bothered in itself. I think I think we'll put out a pretty similar team to what we've been putting out recently. Uh, you'd hope that the players would want to put in a good performance for the fans, but again, you, you've been thinking that all season they haven't been. So, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think it's going to be, there's going to be a few goals, but I think Spurs will probably win it. Maybe like 4-2. I'll go for a 4-2. I'd love that, especially if Kane uh, was able to uh, clinch Golden Boot with a couple of those. Um, you mentioned there, you know, possibly the last game uh, in the Premier League for quite some time. What do you think the atmosphere will be like? Will it be kind of like, uh, oh, this is our last match here. Let's have one last hurrah of the fans. Do you think fans will still be a little despondent from going down? What do you think the atmosphere will be like? From what I've read on uh, Twitter, I think that the the ground will be full, and I think it's literally just a thank you to Rafa. I think the fans will be chanting his name for ninety minutes nonstop, and I think that's the right way to go about it. There's no point getting upset about the team chanting for Ashley and chanting for Charlie to go, or just booing the players. There's, there's no point in doing that. It's not going to have an effect. Do the one thing that we can do to try and keep 
Benitez as manager and hopefully that goes well and hopefully he feels something and, and decides to stay at this madhouse of a club. I was saying there that we still want to finish ahead of Arsenal. Are we aware that pretty much only us and Arsenal care about this little mini race that we have? Yeah, <laughs> largely. Um, and it's really interesting because Mauricio Pochettino has come out and basically said, you know, we're just going to try to go out and win, but that finishing above Arsenal isn't the goal. The goal is to win the match, as opposed to a lot of the English players, including Harry Kane, coming out and saying, we owe it to the fans to finish ahead of Arsenal. And they do a little bit considering how much further ahead we were for a while, how much crap may have been talked by hosts of podcasts about how awful Arsenal had been while they still had a chance to finish above Tottenham, which may have not been the wisest move of all time. Um, so th- I do think Tottenham will be playing uh, as hard as we can. The only issue with that is, as I mentioned on the Sunday show, Moussa Dembele has missed five games in central midfield, and we have five losses from those uh, games. So the precedent isn't great, and one of those losses was to Newcastle without Dembele. Uh, so not as confident as I could be. Of course, Arsenal have Villa, which you, on paper, have to look at strictly as a win. We need a draw, <laughs> unless Arsenal won by like 15 goals or whatever it is to equal goal difference. Um so I'd be willing to split honors here. Newcastle's last match, give Benitez a proper send-off for the season, hopefully keeping him for next year. Um, I'm going to say 2-1 Tottenham, but I think it could be close, and a draw does just as well for us. All right, and that'll do us for today. So if you have any projects you'd like to plug or want to tell people where to reach you, now would be a good time. Uh, you can find us uh, at the Jackass on Twitter. We've got uh, a new pod up this week discussing... Uh, West Ham and Francesco Guidelin and we should have one uh, next week as well looking back at the season as a whole Yeah, thanks for listening you can get my stuff on EPL Index and Total Dutch Football uh, I also wrote an article on three players I think Newcastle should sign this summer to uh, lead the uh, promotion push next season for uh, the boot room so check that out and for anything else I do I'll plug on my Twitter which is at Jake Jackman with two ends. Or yeah, I am your host, Kevin DeVries, at Kevroff on Twitter. You can find my last fantasy writings of the season over at TheEaglesBeak.com and PlayTaga.com uh, as we head into Match Week 38. Also listen to the FPL Roundtable, which is already up, uh, so be sure to tune into that. Uh, just so you know, as listeners, there will not be one big Sunday show at the end of the season, as we always do. We'll have 10 to 15 minute season reviews from each of our representatives throughout the year. Uh, So be tuned to that. Those will be coming out Sunday through Wednesday. Um, So keep an eye uh, out for your club. We'll be releasing them in batches, and we'll be tweeting about all of it. So uh, you can just check that out at EPL Roundtable on Twitter. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. It's been a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.